Warning, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are from individuals and do not represent the views of Supercool Radio or our partners. Now, enjoy the show. I am Matthew Thomas. You are watching Super Cool Radio. I got a very exclusive interview now with a good friend of the show. He is Jamie Bostel, currently at his house, his studio here in South Bend, Indiana. And you may know him for Praise the Fallen and also his solo material as we've covered in this show. But we got something very special to talk about, and it's about a previous band he was in that is Signal. So Let's dive right into this interview. Thank you so much, Jamie, for doing this interview no problem, about man. Signal. So, for anyone not familiar with the band Signal, can you give a little bit of a brief history about this band, like when it started and the, things like that? Uh, I believe I believe the band started in 2004. I believe that's when we started, 2004, 2005. We came out of the gates in 2006. Uh, we were sponsored by Jägermeister. We've opened for a lot of nationals. Uh, our first show, we opened for Sponge. Um, I don't know, we, we put out, I think, six albums, something like that. We opened up for Stain in Three Days Grace in Prairie Capital Convention Center in May of 2006. Uh, we opened for Hinder. We opened for Rev Theory, Trapped, uh, Power Man 5000, Skid Row. <clears throat> the Cult. We did three days with nationals. the Yeah, we did three dates with the Cult on the Jaeger tour in '07, I believe that was '07 or '08. Yeah, we, we trekked all around. Um, Signal was a band right here. We traveled everywhere. We played everywhere: Kentucky, Illinois. We went down to Miami, South Beach, Miami, and played down there. Wow. We uh, worked with Corey in Atlanta, Georgia. He's the guitar player for Seether. Now, uh, we worked with Corey. We did two songs with Corey. He produced two songs for us there. I don't know. It was just a band. We had a good time. We're sponsored by Jägermeister, and we were just on the road a lot, a lot. We played probably, I don't know, probably over a hundred shows a year. So it sounds like a lot of good things going for Signal in that time period. Obviously, you said you listed so many nationals you guys played for. You were in Miami. You guys toured. Uh, 100 shows a year so what happened what happened just I, I, I personally feel uh, I had I'm gonna get a little deep here I had some personal situations happen to me in 08 uh, along with the economy crash as well you yeah. know I had lost a friend who, who was murdered I had lost an, an ex who I was still friends with who died of cancer my father died the same year, and I had a friend that died in a car accident, too. This all happened with a matter of six months. And for most people, most people will probably get depressed or really down about that. I had my moments, and, you know, I had my, all my, trust me, I had my, my broken moments. Um, 
but at the same time it also opened my eyes and made me realize that life isn't so bad and I decided to uh, I wanted to put a little more positivity into the band but there was also <clears throat> our bass player was going through some problems and it seemed like I was going into a positive direction I wanted to grow and I wanted to uh, I wanted my band also to do the songs I was writing too now I, I was in a band a while ago in 94 who worked great when I wrote a song brought it to the band we put it all together and that was that you know signal was different the guitar player I had joined originally in the very beginning let's go back in time you said how the band started and all over the place but it's all right. <clears throat> Stephen had contacted me through Bill, was seeking me out to sing for him. And uh, I drove, I came from Valparaiso, Indiana. And I drove to Elkhart. Actually, Bill was like, hey man, are you in a band? I'm like, no. I was in a band, Forearm Shiver. Forearm Shiver did a show with uh, my band in 97 called Digpin. We did a show together, I guess he remembered me, long story short. And I seek me out. I drove to Elkhart, I jammed with these guys, and I wasn't too sure if I was going to, honestly, I wasn't too sure if I was going to stick with these guys, because I wasn't sure of the style. I had played with a guitar player before that was really good, and he was into prog rock, and like Dream Theater stuff, and Mudvayne, and we were doing some intricate stuff like that. If you listen to Digpin, compared to Signal, it was a lot more intricate. Um, I wasn't too sure. When I joined with Dave and Steve, they were called Zoetrope. He called me on later on that night <clears throat> after I sang for him. He's like, so what do you think, man? And I was like, well, number one, you got to lose that name. It's stupid. That name's lame, dude. He's like, all right, well, we'll lose the name. What do you think of the music? I said, well, I'd like to go more of a commercial hard rock direction. And it's like, well, what do you mean? More like stain or fuel? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's the kind of thing. The songs were really long, long intros, big opuses, and you know, it was it was too much. You didn't need all that, in my opinion. These days, people short people have a short attention span. Yeah. Get to the hook, man. Get to the chorus. It's still my rule. Most of my songs are three or four minutes. <clears throat> so. Going back in time. That's when I joined, ended up joining with them. And I still wasn't sure if I was going to stick around for a while. Because I was just like, for one, I was hurt. Because I had played with a guitar player prior to Signal for like seven years. So I was really still hooked on his style. And Steve was a different style. And it just took me a while to get used to it. We had a bass player. His name was Chris. We did an EP at somebody's house. We recorded this EP. The EP got us a sponge show. Take me back in time, bro. <laughs> it's, it's been a it's been a minute. Yeah. We did an EP and it was called So It Begins, and it was not the greatest quality, but it I I gave it to um, there was a guy, his name they, they called him Bub, Bub or Bud. Anyway, he hit me up asking me if we wanted to open for Sponge at Cronies and Couts, Indiana, and I was like, sure. He's like, you got any music? I'm like, yep. Gave him that EP. He goes, let me run it by Sponge Management. We got approved. We got put on the Sponge show. That was our first national show. We were excited, but we had this. We didn't have a bass player. So we're like, what are we gonna do? 
Well, I knew I knew a guy named Josh who played in a band called Out of Season. I was hanging around with this guy named John. We used to go hang out with at this house all the way out in Syracuse, like North Webster, out there by Lake Wawasee. Yeah. There was a drummer, his name was Scott. My friend John was staying at Scott's house, and Out of Season happened to be practicing there. This is before, this is long before Signal. But that's where I discovered Josh, and I remembered him. I remember he had a look, I remember he could play, and that, and he seemed to be cool. And, uh, well, Out of Season, they were one of my favorite original local bands at the time. At the time, there wasn't a lot going on when I met those guys. They were awesome. Um, I really liked their sound because it was more up-to-date and that. They kind of had a Creed sound, but Josh was a bass player, and he stood out because, like, like he had always done in Signal, he was up very personable. He'd always say, hey, man, how's it going? You know, he's always cool. You know, I remember Josh, and through the years, Josh played with me in another project for a minute when my buddy Justin came out. We jammed in a basement somebody's house or something. It didn't work out, whatever, but I still stayed in touch with Josh. I brought Josh in the signal. And then uh, Magic. After that, it was Josh and me giving Steve and Dave a little more commercial direction, you know, keeping the songs a little more commercial and giving the music direction, not just... I didn't just show up and sing. Let's put it that way. When I'm in a band, I work with you, we structure the songs, I helped do that, and Josh was good at that too. So we all worked together good that way. Put out our first album. What we put out, what we did is we put out EPs. Then the EPs became an album. Our first album was Walking Away from the Machine. And man, uh, first, first, uh, the second national show we did after Sponge, we opened for Trapped, the Club Fever, in front of 1,500 people. Wow. Why we did that trap show, like a couple days before the trap show, we had gotten a call from Jägermeister asking us if we, want, we wanted to open for Stained. So we were, we were on a high, man. You know, we were like, let's do this, you know. So we went from trap to Stained. God, we opened for Dope and uh, some other band from Chicago, I don't remember. But we opened for Dope out at the White House, Niles, which is no longer around. We, we kicked it, because I lived in Valpo, I was from, I'm from Chesterton, Valpo area, so I would drag those guys out that way. I told the guys when I joined them, I said, if I join you guys, we're not just going to play here in town. I'm not down with that. If you just want to play here, I'm not your guy. I want to travel. I want to go. I want to go. And we did. We traveled. We played St. Louis. We did a lot of trade shows, traded shows with other bands, bands out there. If you want to get out there and travel, the best way to do it is trade shows with other bands. The best yeah. thing you can do. It is. And, I, and I, this is back in the MySpace days. Man, I'd be up till 11.30 at night reaching out to different bands and stuff, setting up shows. I mean, we worked with a band called Adam's, uh, yeah, Adam Smash. Um, they were from uh, Miami. They actually came up here, did a show with us here. Um... But they were in Miami. We did a show down there. There was another Jaeger band called Mindsight. Mindsight was out of Chicago. They were awesome. They sounded a lot like uh, Incubus. They were great. Really? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you've seen Heartsick. Yep. Those dudes are badass. They used to be a band called No Life. Yep. They were the other Jaeger band. You were only allowed one Jaeger band per state. We were the Indiana one. Mindsight was the Illinois one. And No Life was Michigan. So 
That's how I know Alfonso. They were Jaeger band, we were Jaeger band. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There's probably more than one per state because uh, I got to give a shout out to a band called Ground Control. Okay, Ground Control was out in uh, Benton Harbor, out, out that way, St. Joe, out that way, okay. I guess. I don't really know exactly, but out that way. Um, actually, the singer Chris, that used to sing for Ground Control, sings in Alstabox now. Really? Yeah. So I'll give a shout out to my boys in Alstabox. Uh, I've always been about original bands and supporting local bands. Don't believe the hype. <sighs> so, but you were asking me what was Signal's downfall? What was that? Because honestly, just from what you, everything you said, you guys, you played so many national shows. <laughs> you're with Jägermeister. What happened? What happened was. Uh, and what year? Huh? What year too? Well, I told you about my friends passing away and my in that situation. You know, get deep here. I was just I could have fell into a dark light. I could have went towards you know being darker, but something just came over me where I just wanted to be more positive. I had realized my life wasn't that bad. I was on the stage preach, preaching negativity. I felt now when I first joined Signal. At that time, I was an angry person. I had situations, my childhood, my my uh, relationship, you know, things were falling apart for me, and I was in a spot where I was angry. But I had I had talked to a friend, and a friend of mine had said to me, um, "You can only go so far with that anger, man. That mountain, you can only climb that mountain so many times, you know." And I thought about that, and I also thought about who I was before the situations that made me angry, you know, and I thought, you know what, we can still rock, we can still be heavy, but why not turn around and do something positive and lift people up and inspire, you know, and that's what I wanted to do, that was my intentions with Signal, and I, I requested if I could play a little guitar now and then in the band, and the guitar player said he'd let me if I took lessons. <laughs> uh, How old were you with that? Uh, 37 years old. And the way I handle people like that and situations like that, I just said, okay, it's cool, you know, because I think he always looked at it as, and the drummer too, remember, I joined them. And I think that just stuck in their mind that it was always that way, not realizing that Josh and I are here to help us. We are here to put it all together. If I write a song and I bring it to the band, it's the band's song. If you look at any Praise the Fallen CD, it says lyrics by Jamie Bostell, music by Praise the Fallen. On the last one anyway. The ones that where I actually wrote the music and there was no other guitar player, it was me. Yeah, the music's by me. You know? I don't, I'm not trying to take full credit, but you know, in that situation if people come and go and you're the guy, it's just like Nine Inch Nails. Trent Reznor is a writer, right? Yeah, I mean, no. Okay. Especially when you're making and producing all the music. Yeah, my, my whole thing is like all the bands I was in before Signal, when I wrote a song and brought it to the band, it was the bands. There was never any complaining or anything like that. So we, we kept having situations. We actually went down to... Uh, I'm going to tell a story, I guess. Uh, it's your it area, exclusive interview. Go for it. We went down to Miami, South Beach, Miami. We got requested to play down there because of a song called Utopia. Utopia was the only song 
in the beginning, in, in the beginning, toward pretty much, yeah, that we did one acoustic EP where some of the songs on there were written by me. But in the beginning, there was only one song on our album "Walk Away from Machine" that I wrote. It was the lightest song we had. It was called Utopia. That song blew up. It gained us traction. It pulled us everywhere. So you metalheads out there thinking you got to write everything heavy and to the grindstone constantly, I'm here to tell you that the lightest song that our metal band played was the song that got us all across the country. That's also the song that Aaron Lewis liked, too, from Stain. Yeah, when we opened for Stain and we did that song, he was all ears. And he was like, great song, man. You know, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I found him, yeah. But we got called down in Miami. We played in front of this guy. He critiqued us. You know, he, he individually critiqued us, told the drummer he was overplaying, told the bass player he should back off on backup vocals, told the guitar player, you know, you're not really an intricate player, so why are you trying to be so intricate? Keep it a little more simple. And he said to me, you're on 11 all the time. You, you just blah the whole time. Which now I listen to some of that signal stuff. I did yell a lot. I did scream a lot compared to now. Uh, but that's where I learned that from. And he, he, he said that. Then came the question, who wrote Utopia? Steve said, Jamie wrote Utopia. He then said to us, I remember sitting back like a sponge soaking what this guy said. Because I looked at it as anytime we met anybody from the industry, I can take criticism. Criticism. It makes me who I am. It's going to make me a better musician. I have no problem listening to professionals. You know what I mean? Yeah. They know what they're talking about. My opinion. Well, he, he had said, he said, uh, wonder what, I wonder what other songs Jamie has written. And, uh, they were kind of like, uh, you know, and the bass player, Josh, was, he was all about it. He was like, yeah, let's, let's see what you got, man. You know, but I don't think the guitar player and the drummer look at it that way. They always looked at it as I joined them. You know what I mean? Instead of looking at it as, hey, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get our name up there in a the marquee, man, whatever it takes, who cares, really? Yeah, who cares who writes be. what? Neil Peart wrote the lyrics for Rush. Did Getty care? No. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're going places, it sounds like you guys were. You know, Nikki Six writes the music for Molly yeah. Crew. Do they care? No. Especially when you're making money. It doesn't matter. None of that matters, no. man. Or, or there's national bands where they have separate songwriters that write the songs for the band. Yeah. They're, they're you got to look. You look good, but we got a writer for you. Yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't is. matter, man. Yeah. You know? And Steve seemed to have a problem. He, he seemed to think because Utopia had gained so much traction that I was pursuing a solo deal or something. There were a couple times where he actually said, maybe you should go. It's like, it wasn't like that, bro. Not at all. It wasn't like that. It was like this. I write a song. I give it to the band. It's the band's song. Period. That's how I feel about it. We're a team. I've always thought that way. Song is king. Fuck your ego. You know? All egos aside, the song is king and that's all that fucking matters. You know? But this guy had said, he had said to us, I don't know if I'm allowed to say his name, 
Um, but he worked for a label that he used to work for Universal Records. That's all I'll say. And he said, um, maybe you guys should work with your singer and not against them. And uh, I never even thought of that. I never even thought it was like that. I never thought that way. And they probably took that as like, whoa, you know, this guy's a little abrasive. And he was blunt. He was like, but he also, he's a professional and he noticed. He also said something that I'll never forget. He said, you guys don't look like you're together up there. You look like you're competing for attention. So, if there's anything I can teach a band out there, think about that. As a group, how do you look up there? Do you look like each one's like, hey, look at me, look at me? Because this guy called us out on that, said that. I never thought that either. I learned a lot from this guy. And I stayed in touch with this guy through the years still. He's still one of my friends. And uh, he still loves Utopia. And he still loves my music. Um, but, he, but he had said, you know... So all the way back to all the way back from Miami, you know, they were the drummer and guitar player were complaining that this is going to become the Jamie Bostel band, and I was like, dudes, I was like, no, I'm like, and Josh was like, he was on my side. He was like, what's wrong with it? What does it matter? No, it doesn't matter, man. No, no one really goes. For Utilize this. what this guy can do. Let's do it. You know. I do write simple commercial rock songs. That's what I do. You know, I I do. I, com and do it very I write well. commercially viable rock songs, but I try to add a little twist and turn in there, but not too much where it throws a listener off. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, people. I I love bands like Tool and Dream Theater and all that intricate stuff and Meshuggah and I can name all these bands. You'd probably be shocked that I listen to, but when it comes to, you know. A goal in making a living doing music, your goal should be to get on the radio. Yeah. You know? Or get signed. And if you're on the radio, you're going to make money and you can quit your day job. So I always just aimed at writing commercially viable songs, still keeping that depth with, with you know, who I am. You don't have to, because I used to write songs that were really deep and made a lot of sense to me and people were like, what are you trying to say? You know, we actually had sent, uh, Signal actually did this, we sent one of our songs to Taxi, and they review your songs, and they'll send you a critique, and that was what they said, they're like, yeah, this is pretty good, but what are you trying to say? So I learned through these people, you know, I learned through that, through that, that, wow, yeah, I, I guess I need to make things a little more easier for the listener, because... Listeners have a short attention span, really. That's why people still, to this day, love ACDC. Easy hooks to remember. It's the same groove. Yep. It's the same that, you know? It's mm -hmm. just got that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, on the way back, they're complaining. They weren't happy. Josh is like, let's try it, that kind of thing. I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm like, hey, guys, I was taken by surprise. I mean, imagine what you just, I'm going to Miami, I'm going to meet this guy, we're going to play, and then suddenly that comes up, and then he goes, you're the, they need to work with you, looking at me, going, what? I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot, back in 1994, I was writing a song for my band down on Sunday, I kind of lost sight of that guy, I was just singing in this band, well, no matter what I did, the songwriter part came out of me. I was always writing songs on my acoustic at home on the couch and stuff, and 
I had no, I got still got notebooks in the garage of songs, you know. And I, of course, after that situation, I was like, how could you not? How you could sit there and go, man, what if, what if, what if one of the songs I got in that stack's a hit? Well, I'm not gonna know. I'll say, hey guys, let's try it. Yeah, and but I noticed that it wasn't even your suggestion. It was someone else, like someone you were working yeah, with. Dude, said I was we all should about actually whatever, try this. I was all about whatever those guys wanted to do. You know, but my only requirement was we didn't just play here. You know, we were doing good. We were fine. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, they were like, well, this guy don't know what he's talking about. We'll go to the next guy. Well, then the ne next guy, the same thing would happen again. Same situation happened again. They found out, you know, that, you know, I was a songwriter. My songs seemed to leak through the next time, though. And that was actually this last Signal album that just came out. Yeah, I was about to talk to that. There's quite a few songs on an album I wrote. I mean, I finally got to the point where other people were telling them, hey, let's do these songs that he wrote. It's like eye roll, oh God, but okay, we'll do it. You know, that kind of thing. Not me, them. I was like, okay, this was not intentional. This was not planned. Um, it kind of happened by accident. I go back to Dirtbag Records thing, you know. There's a lot that made this band fall apart. We got signed to Dirtbag Records. Long story short, the bass player was going through some personal problems, and he needed some time to heal, whatever. But pressure was on with the label. We had a conference call. He told us, I want song stems. I don't care if it's a verse. Oh, song stems are a verse and a chorus. I want to see that you guys are being productive. I want to see that you guys are writing, right? I don't care if it's on a jam box. I don't care how you record it. Just get me some song stems. To prove that you're actually working. So I, as soon as we got off the conference call, I was to Steve. I'm like, dude, we got to get to work. We got to get to work. Steve's like, well, we need to make sure Josh gets his head right. For I'm like, we don't have time to wait around. They're going to drop us. I was worried they're going to drop us. So I took it upon myself. I took uh, my acoustic guitar, I stayed up all night, and I recorded some songs on a CD. I still have that CD, if I can get it out, I'd show you. It says, Potential Signal Songs on the top. I gave it to, at the time, our manager, his name is Brad. Give this, you know, I go, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm trying to send this to the label, man, so that way we don't lose our deal, you know? And he's like, well, I'm gonna run it by Steve. I'm like, all right. So he gives the CD to Steve, I guess, and then we finally have rehearsal like a month later or something like that. And I show up and the first thing I say is, hey man, you listen to that CD? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, there's like 30 songs on this thing. I mean, I was up all night. And the way I looked is like, dude, I cared. I was trying to save us from losing this deal, you know? Because it was just a band-aid, you know? It's like, let's just give them something to show them that we're being productive that way we don't get dropped right you actually have material yeah yeah man that's that's i was totally taking to doing it for us you know and i have proof i have that cd if nobody believes me um it was back in the day when you had those gold cds you could etch it on the top yeah no you know that. computers can't do that now so you know i'm being legit i got that right over there it's in one of these stacks of cds you there. did show me at one time so yeah. so um I gave it to him. Steve liked one song. It was the first song that was on there. Okay. 
And that song was called Dirty. I was like, okay. And I'm very, I'm pretty easygoing, man. It's like, okay, you don't like the song, so what are we going to do now? What's the next step? we got to hurry. But you can't hurry songwriting, you know. Yeah. So what are we going to do? Ugh, you know, this label's going to drop us. We only have so much time, you know. So the way I handled that situation, you know, I looked, I looked at all of them, you know, and I said to them, I said, that's fine, man. I said, I got all this material that I've been writing. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. We can keep doing it the way you guys have been doing it. But I'm going to do these with somebody. And at the time, I had nobody. I had nobody. I had a friend who was a drummer. And I've been friends with him long before I was in Signal. Uh, we were friends back in, geez, 93, 94. He was in a band called Satellite Nation when I was in Dead on Sunday. And we had been friends. There was no... Uh, I'm out to destroy signal stuff, you know, that people, some people are saying. He was just a friend, you know, and he liked my songs. And I was like, well, okay. So, long story short, we're like, I told those guys, well, that's cool. You guys don't want to do my songs. I'm going to do them with somebody. You know, it wasn't like, ha, 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 I'm going to do it with some. I just said, well, you know, I got this stack. I'm not talking stack of songs. I'll show, I could show you in the garage. You know, I was writing all the time, especially especially in 08 when the economy crashed. I had nothing else to do. Yeah. Nothing else to do. Nobody could find work. So I was writing 15 songs a week. No joke, man. 15 songs a week. What do you do? What do you do with all that? You know? Yeah. You know, and I'm not mad. I understood Steve. Steve was trying to keep it to the signal style, and he felt that... The style was his, and I joined them. Whatever, man. You know, I'm, I'm here to put the nail right now down and say, I remember distinctly saying to them, that's fine, we can keep doing things the way you guys want. But I'm going to do something with this stuff because i got so much of it. I've got some talent here, and if you guys don't want to utilize it, I'm going to find somebody to help me put some songs together. But I didn't even have anybody. I had Jonathan, a drummer. So we went to Garth Plinko's studio and we started recording these songs. Really raw. Garth Plinko actually played bass on it. Um, Garth Plinko was in the Euromans, by the way, everybody. Bill was a drummer. So, Garth plays bass. I played raw, stripped down acoustic. And uh, Jonathan played drums. And it was raw. I just wanted to hear the ideas, like, as a recording, you know. I mean, it was raw, stripped down. There's actually one song on my Reverb Nation that's uh, um, Finally Found a Home, if you look at it. Yeah, that's one of the songs. Really? And it turned out okay. It's kind of Jim Blossom-ish, whatever. Totally opposite of Signal. But that was my whole point of doing something different. Yeah, you wanted to, you wanted to have a different sound besides Signal. Right, right. So, little did I know, I just... Signal, all the guys, we all used to go to Open Jam to Phoenix, Mishawaka. And I played uh, my songs with Jonathan one night. And I, I actually had Matt Waterman playing bass, filled in. He played bass, and John Sturr walks in the door at the Phoenix. And John Sturr didn't look like the way he did in the 80s. You know, imagine this older gentleman coming up with long hair, like looking up at me. And uh, I'm like, hey man, how's it going? He's like, those are some really good songs. And I was like, thanks. I always heard that from people, you know. 
I'm like, Jonathan knew who he was. He's like, dude, do you know who that is? I'm like, no. He's like, that's John Sturt from Lillian X. I'm like, no way, dude. I'm like, that's crazy. So I just said to him, I said, hey, man, would you mind laying down some guitar on the songs? He goes, lay down guitar. He goes, those songs are really good. I'm like, yeah. He goes, what's up with those songs? He goes, I know you're in Signal. And I just said, well, it's not really their style. They're not really interested in it. And, and he goes, why? He goes, that stuff's really marketable. So I was like, man, what, do, you see, do you see what's happening? Little by little, these people are telling me, hey, kid, you got something here. But I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Because I was just doing it in my living room on, my acoustic, on, my, on the couch, you know, just writing songs, stacking them up, you know. Utopia just happened to be a happy accident. I was playing at a party at a bonfire. Josh liked it. He was like, we're going to do that song. I'm like, no way. No way we're not. Nah. Right? And we, we did. And it blew and up. And then it blew up. Yeah. And it got the traction it did. And then that guy's like, hey, kid, you. And then this guy, you. And I was like, okay. It seems like the same story with like everyone, like it's the crazy, producers, dude. the managers. I never expected start. it. I never, dude. The same I thing. never expected this. I never expected this. You know, I just do what I do. You know, do what I did. I'm not even that great of a guitar player. You know, I'm better now, but I wasn't then, definitely. You know, I just did it, letting emotions out. Had a bad day, grabbed a guitar, and blah. You know, that's what I did. Now I'm serious. Good. You know, and stuff would just come out of me. You know, I've got all kinds of writings, dude. Maybe one day it'll be published. Who knows? You know? Well, yeah. There's, trust me, I, I'll show you when we're done. Um, but uh, how, how, how do you tame that? How do you tame somebody who... Somebody obviously didn't want that to be tamed, if you, know, if you understand what I'm saying, whether it be God or whatever, because no matter what I did, it still kept seeping through somehow. You yeah. know? John came along, liked the songs. We're like, okay, went to Gary Callender's, recorded him. That was Praise of Fallen. That's when Praise of Fallen began. This does all tie in with Signal, by the way. And what, what year did you start like, start uh, doing uh, Praise of Fallen stuff? 2009. Okay. So 2009 is when we recorded that. So what was Signal doing around this time? We were, like I told you, we had that dirtbag thing situation. We were kind of waiting on Josh to get his head right. He was going through some personal situations. So we, you know, Steve had said, let's wait for him to head right and that. And I was like, you gotta understand at the same time, the economy's crashing, not working. I'm fucking, I'm like going nuts. So I'm like, dude, we're not playing, we're not rehearsing, I'm not working. I gotta do something here. You guys were signed to a label. We got dropped. And yes, that's what I was For non-productiveness. Around the same time. And I still stuck with the guys. Praise the Fallen. Yes. Long story short, those songs that I had on that gold disc that I gave the manager that I gave Steve that those guys didn't want to do. I ended up recording them, of course. You know, well then, we had a situation come up where Signal's going to try another producer, a different guy. We had a meeting before the... We had pre-production at the Phoenix in Mishawaka. Brad Eakins uh, was a bartender there, and he had access to the place on Sunday. The week before, we had a small meeting, and the guy's name was Jeff. was like... Give me all the music you guys got, and we're going to pick 12 of the best songs that you guys have. For an upcoming album. Right. This was going to be the big album. I guess there was money put into this. Uh, rumors of Three Doors Down's manager was looking at us, and we had some oh. big things going on. Right? 
There's no way I would botch this up, by the way, people. Yes, I was jamming with Jonathan and John Sturr. We recorded that. The way I looked at that is like, these are songs I wanted to do. I wanted to get them out. I want to hear what they sound like all together. Cool. We did that. And sir, just to clarify real quick, <clears throat> you, you did the Praise of Fallen stuff. Yeah. As Praise the Fallen. Yeah. And you were still with Signal. Yeah. And you weren't planning to leave. No, man. Not at all. Not at all. John Sturr had Brand New Machine. He was playing in Brand New Machine. He was playing in Brand New Machine. As a matter of fact, John Sturr said, what's their problem? We got Brand New Machine, we got Praise the Fallen, and we got Signal. We're creating a scene. I never looked at it that way. I just looked at it as I'm a songwriter. I want to record this stuff. As you as you now know, people, I like to record. As we're in his studio right I, now. I like to record and I like to, you know, take a raw, stripped-down song and see what it all sounds like with drums and everything. Because it's amazing what you can do, you know? Yeah. And it was amazing when I did that with John and John Sturr. It was amazing, man. As, as a funny, the, the point you brought up before we did this interview is how many national bands also have side projects? Exactly, dude. I mean, actually, when we went down to Atlanta, Morgan Rose was doing a project with the singer from uh, Candlebox. And I think Clint Lowry was playing guitar on that. And that's what gave me the idea. Collaboration. Yeah, we don't do that up in Indiana. Why don't we do yeah. that? Why not? You know? But, like I said, all this happened by accident as far as my songwriting getting discovered. And, and then suddenly, you know, I got Jonathan. He's my friend. He's played drums for years. I'm like, dude, let's just go record this stuff. I just want to hear it. You know, little did I know John Sturr was going to walk in one night and say, Hey, kid, you got something here. Let's go make a record. We made the record, do it up on MySpace, the numbers were phenomenal. It blew yeah, up. Really the numbers blew up. The numbers blew up, okay? They were getting a little antsy. The guys in Signal, I knew when John said, hey, we're going to make a record. I knew that night when he said, I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to have to deal with this grief. I know it, you know? But really, I mean no harm whatsoever, you know? You guys didn't want to do this, this stuff. They like it. I'm going to go do it. Do it with them. That doesn't mean I'm straying from you guys. It doesn't mean I'm quitting. That doesn't mean I never quit Signal, by the way. They quit on me. Um, because they thought I was going to stray and go off with those guys. But I already told those guys, even told John Sturr, who was on Headbangers Ball, MTV, all that, yeah. told him Signal comes first. You heard it first. And he was cool with it. Yeah, he understood. I he, mean, we had a lot of momentum. We were doing great. Why would I throw that away? I wouldn't. I put seven years of work into that. Still with this interview, um, we're talking about Signal. You're probably asking why we're talking about Signal. It's because of the recent release of the unfinished Signal album that was released, I believe, earlier this week of this recording. Uh, so, like, give us a little bit of insight about that unfinished That's album. That's the album, Jeff, and when I was getting to, we picked all the songs out. Okay, long story short, the songs that he picked, he picked, remember that I told you about the gold disc people? Yes. Right? The gold disc was thrown in the pile by Brad Eakins, our manager. Right? He named the songs off. He goes, okay, everybody, I'm going to name the songs. And the majority of the songs were on that gold disc. So somebody did listen. I will say that. And then they also wanted two songs that I already recorded with John. And uh, those were the songs on the disc that they didn't want to do in the first place. So, but this, this is how I handled that. When they're like, you know, those songs are ours. I said, it's cool, man. We can record it. We can play it. But if anything happens with it, if it blows up or whatever, John gets a percentage. 
It's really that simple. It, it, and it's fair, fair is fair, you know. But they didn't agree with it. They're like, no, those were our songs first. I'm like, well, not really, because you didn't want to do them. So there was tension yeah. there, you know. I was like, I was torn of like, what do I do? I'm like, I'm this songwriter, you know. I've got this other side of me that these guys don't want, you know. The guitar player thinks I'm trying to pursue a solo deal, you know, or I'm trying to gain my own attention or whatever and take the light off of him. And that's not it at all, man. It, this all happened by accident. I was at an open fucking jam, people. No. What would you do if some guy walked in who was on MTV Headbangers Ball and said, hey, I want to make a record with you. Yeah. Would you say, no, no, I can't do it. Sorry, man. Yeah. If you're saying that, you're full of shit, too. I'll tell any of that. Yeah, you know? I would totally do it. I'm not even musically inclined that much. I would totally do it just to say I did it. Yeah, man. Honestly, dude, even back then... How far are you really going to go in the music industry? No. Even back then. Even things now. were starting to dilapidate then, dude. You know? And, and the reality. People need to know reality. I'm going to give you a little touch here. Reality. I have a son. His name is Jonah. I was paying child support every week. I had visitation every other weekend. My father walked out on me in my life. I would never walk out on my son. So... If Signal were to get offered a big deal, get signed, I would have really had to think twice about that because being a dad came first for me. Uh, priorities, major priorities. Well, my dad wasn't there for me. I know how yeah. it feels to grow up that way, and I didn't want my son growing up like that. So I hate to burst your bubble if you think I ruined your rock and roll dream or whatever. Uh, I'm here to tell you this is reality, people. My son come first. Always. Always did. And on that note, as far as somebody saying I missed a recording session to play a show, that's not true. I had visitation with my son. I had a very controlling ex. His mother was very controlling and very adamant about those visitations. I couldn't miss visitation or I would catch hell. Okay? So, say what you want. I know the truth. God knows the truth. So, we had problems, man, with uh, that was going on. I also think part of the problem was, I, I believe drugs were involved. Early the bass enough. player just announced that he finally got clean in the last two years. Um, yeah, man, dude, there was violence. We got in fights. You know, I you know cared, cared about the dude so much. You know, he would get me so frustrated, I'd get so fucking mad that we would fight because I wanted him to get off the drugs, you know? Because you cared for him. How do you reason with somebody who thinks they're right about everything? People are, and the people that are on drugs, they think they're invincible and they're right about everything. So, I was dealing with that. I was, well, here's the deal, man, Disturbs Manager. I had contacted TJ Sagan in Chicago for signal. Mind you people, you hear what I said? For signal. TJ came out and watched us at the show in Chicago at US Beer Company. Yeah, I got him I got out, yeah. Disturbs manager. Actually, I went and hung out with TJ. It was DJ he DJed on the side, uh, some club, and I went and hung out with him. I told him, Hey man, 
we're going to be here like in a month playing U.S. Beer Company. I'd love for you to come check us out. Right? Yeah. And this is for Signal. The funny thing is, though, <clears throat> when, I, when I contacted TJ, he looked my name up and stuff, found the Praise of Fallen stuff on MySpace. Right? He's like, hey, man, I'm DJ and blah, blah. I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. Right? Praise the Fallen opened that door with TJ. Right? And then I told TJ, dude, you got to come see my band Signal. Response by Jägermeister. We did this. We did this and this. Right? It's like, okay. Came to the U.S. Beer Company. He was there for two songs and left. And then he hit me up. He said, he goes, uh, he goes, I got a deal for you. I'm like, oh, for Signal? He's like, like again, another accidental situation. He was like, no. He goes, all expenses paid. I want you guys to play in Jamaica. Praise the Fallen. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to catch grief for this. So imagine, I'm tiptoeing, walking in a practice room and Signal going, guys, uh, TJ didn't like Signal, but he liked my other band. You know, are you guys cool with me doing this? You know, and I told him, dude, let me do this and I will talk to him. Then I know, I know the business and I know how to talk to people and get them to pay attention. You know, I have a knack for that. And I told him, I said, dude, I'll talk to TJ about, sig about Signal more. I'll take CDs with me. Well, it didn't end up working out anyway because one of our members owed child support. And you can't get a passport without that. No. So, and that member was me, people. I admit that. Really? I, yeah, I owed a little bit of rearage. It wasn't even a lot. It was like twenty five hundred, and it, it, they used it used to be five grand, but they changed it, I guess. And so, talk about wow, you know, you know that sucks. Yeah. But I didn't even know about that either. But we still, you know. Praise the Fallen was, eh, you know, after, they were a little upset, but it was like, sorry guys, you know. First of all, I didn't expect that in the first place anyway. Yeah. And even if it would have happened for Signal, we wouldn't have went because of me, you know. And that does not make me a loser or anything like that. Sometimes it happens. My child support's completely paid off now. But, you know, yeah, there was, a, well, there was a lapse. I wasn't working for... No. God, man, for two years when uh, the, the economy, economy, yep. economy crashed, was struggling bad. It was, you know. Um, but so, so it was all that stuff. It was all that, and then I think they also had their own pressures. You know, Josh was dealing with divorce. The economy at the same time was the economy, and that all of us were scraping for money. And we were painting houses for our friend Jonathan, and then. We were, you know, I, those guys who drove out worked to some body shop all the way in Knox. And I remember we were all struggling and we were all just hanging on and hoping something would happen for Signal. But I think those tensions got to everybody. And instead of sticking together, everybody fought with each other. And the next thing I know, the guy stopped calling me. We recorded, we, we recorded those songs. Went out to Jeff's, recorded those songs. Uh... <clears throat> Recorded the songs, then the drummer quit. Because the drummer said he didn't want to play with a douchebag like me. Uh, because it was starting to become noticed that these producers were picking stuff I was writing. And he didn't like that, I guess, whatever. And I just kind of like, well, dude, 
I'm just here. No. I'm just here. I told you guys I'll do what you want. I'm just here. You know, they picked that stuff. The industry picked that stuff. Just go with the flow, man. And multiple people picked that stuff. It's too. better to break up a band and actually go with the fucking flow. Really? Yeah. We should have just went with the flow. Who knows where we would be right now, gentlemen? You know? Well, I mean, that's what people understand. You know, this person walk around complaining, holding a chip on his shoulder, being yeah. angry. Do you understand that this was my dream as well? You're that was my band too. too. Yeah. I invested seven years of my life and my heart and time and those lyrics come from a place, man. You know, Jesus. You know, I, why? Why did it have to end so? Why did everything have to be so ugly? Like I said, it was violence. You know. Yeah. You know. Touched on that. Yeah. If, if it's a war zone and, and music's not fun and it's violent, get the fuck out. It, like I said, I think it's because of the tensions. I think it's because of the pressure of the industry. I think it was because of the economy. I think it was a mixture of all those things. Yeah, man, there's no reason to be that way whatsoever because I'm a giver. You know, when I play in any band, you, you see it now. I tell everybody, PTF, that's my boys. My All these years after Signal, you know, after I knew Signal was finally done, you know, I've been looking for that those brothers again. The same kind of brotherhood that Signal had musically, but I don't know. I still care about those guys. They can say all the ugly things they want. You know, you're going out of your way to create two podcasts to talk about me. You know, come on, man. Well, yeah, well, I, I do appreciate you doing this <laughs> podcast, but I do yeah. have a couple things for you to, to talk about. But this is a, the beauty behind the Wreck album, right? So yes. you want to talk about? Well, yes, <laughs> uh, a, a couple things about that. Uh, so was this a different musical um, style? For signal in this album. Yeah, I think that was part of the. I think that was part of the change for those guys too. They're like, wow, oh, you know, like if you listen to some of the songs like Disease, you listen to um, Breaking Me Gently is a great song, and Steve wrote the music for that, and it's a great song, but it's nothing like any of the other Signal stuff. You know, I look at it as we were growing, and it was a mature, pretty mature, commercial album. What's wrong with that? You, can, you know what? Get the deal break open that way, and then go back and do something. Prove your progressiveness. Whatever, you know? <clears throat> Why not? Yeah, you know? I, I, I've listened to uh, most, you know, most of the uh, album, not including the demos. Uh, yeah, the song I really like is Inner Voices, just how it was very uh, different for you guys, just in the yeah. style of everything. And yes, it was more a commercial rock album, but as, the, as your point, does it really matter as long as it gets people's right. attention? I wrote Inner Voices. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the song. I wrote Inner Voices. I wrote quite a few songs on this last Signal album. And that's because, like I said, it finally came into fruition. But what's great about this album is it's a collaboration. It's finally a collaboration. Whereas when I first joined the band, the first three EPs or four was Steve. Wrote so, the guitar riffs and I just sang on top. You know? Can you expand a bit on collaboration? What do you mean by that? Well, there's songs on there that music was written by Steve, and then there's songs on there where the music was written by me. I thought we made a pretty good team, <laughs> you know? I, I like it. You know? Yeah, there's some really, there's a light disease, but it rocks. There's never, there's never a part. It's all in the rock that. category. It yeah. all rocks. There's no, it's not, it's, we didn't go from Signal to Coldplay. <laughs>
It's not, it would be funny, but... It's not that drastic, you know what I mean? No, but it, it, there was a shift. There was a musical shift. Well, that also came from, like I said, that guy critiquing us and, yeah. and saying, hey, you're on 11, you need to, you know, he liked Utopia, so I learned from that. I was like, all right, when well, we need a song where I'm a little lighter on the vocals, and then I can... Ah. There's still lots of songs in there where I scream and yell, there, you know? Yes. I actually feel I sing better now than I did then. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of yelling and screaming in Signal because it was heavy, heavy rock. You know. Yeah. I, well, as we were talking about this before, the um, I think you have more range now. It, I think so. Uh, you know, because Signal, it all falls in that rock category. Yes, there's some more mellow songs and then some heavier yeah. songs. But if you look at your stuff you're doing now, there's you know you're doing pop stuff, you're doing heavy hard rock stuff, and you're doing stuff in between. But yeah, I think you have more range now. But it's a starting place. Yeah. Signal. What can people expect from the album if they haven't listened to Signal or not really sure about Signal or anything like that? What do I hear when I listen to it? Uh, yeah. Mm. I can tell you the songs. Like Love Was Just a Lie is an awesome song. I, I love that song. Um, Disease is a great song. Um, like I said, I, it, that was at a time where I was transitioning into wanting to be more inspiring and wanting to be more positive. It is really... I think it's like that, but it still has it still has its anger elements in there too. It, it's still Signal. That's how I look at it. It's still those same four guys created that record. You know, I don't compare that record to any of the. I I compared that as it's a library. You know, it's the last chapter of what six or seven albums we did. You know, that's how I look at that. I don't go no. You know, the industry was trying to change us. I don't think that way at all. You know, songs are songs. Whether it's prog, whether it's rock, whether it's pop, whatever. You know, because you don't know what's going to hit. You don't know what's going to stick. You don't know what people are going to grab onto. I was totally shocked people grabbed onto Utopia. You know, that blew my mind. Especially for where it got you guys, too. I wrote Utopia in 1998. And I played it at a campfire, at a bonfire party in 2005. Wow. Next thing you know, we're recording and it's the biggest song Signal ever did. And I wrote it in 98, folks. You know, when I yeah. could barely even play guitar. So anybody out there who's intimidated by shredders or whatever, I'll tell you right now, the simplest song can get gain the most traction. But as far as that, that's all I got to say about this album. It's... Uh, part of the signal library man you know you got walking away from machine where you you got stuff where we're inspired by Avenged Sevenfold and stuff like that you can tell some of our influences and then you got this stuff where there's some of my influences and still Steve's influences too coming together created the beauty behind the wreck and the reason why I came up with that title because the world was a wreck at the time the economy was a wreck yeah. Right? We were going through, we were struggling. We were poor. I was living off unemployment, not knowing what I was going to do. We were counting on that record to bring us out of that wreck. And I looked at that album as this is going to be the beauty behind the wreck. I, 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 really, I really like the, the title, the reason behind the title, and uh, the music as well. So I got, I got some big things to ask as we're going to be wrapping up this interview soon. Are you proud of what you did in Signal? Definitely. 110%. Oh, yeah. For sure. 
Oh man, I got so many so many memories with that band. I've seen so many things, and I also learned because I know your next question is what have I learned? Uh, man, you'd be on top of the world, and everybody wants to know you. Everybody wants to meet you. Everybody wants to talk to you. When you decide to follow your heart and do your thing, expect those people to disappear or turn their back on you. It happened to me. <clears throat> but the music remains, and that's all that matters to me. Now, I'm not saying, like, what he does on the guitar, I did exactly that. I would come up with my acoustic and play, here I got this idea, and I would come up with the vocal ideas through what I could do on guitar. And then he would transpose it to the way he liked it. But it started with me. A lot of them did. But I like that it was an actual like collaboration. You guys actually worked together. You brought the idea, but That's then... That's the way a band should work, folks. <clears throat> and then he put his own style on it when playing guitar. You know, like, you brought the idea, but he's like, okay, I'm going to put my style on it. And I think, again, that's, that is how bands are supposed to work. It's supposed to be a collaboration. Because honestly, unless you're looking like at like the, uh, the liner notes, which... Uh, albums don't even have really anymore. No one's really looking at. Oh, this person wrote this song. I no, like it more. Nobody, nobody looks. Especially with everything digitally now, no one looks at. You know, they don't put the songwriting no, no credits. No, Pert in the wrote song the lyrics like for Getty for Rush. You think Getty was getting all mad because he didn't? Because Getty knew Getty knew his strengths. Getty also knew his weaknesses. Rush is my favorite band. I'm just using them as an example. Yeah. There's lots of bands out there. Did you know, like Puddle of Mud? You know. They get help from songwriters, yeah. you know. Hell, Guns N' Roses, they had songwriters. Yeah. Other people helped them write, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. No, in the, in the real world, on a national level, in the industry, there are songwriters that write for bands. There yeah. are songwriters like me that write for other people, you know. People aren't getting mad because, you know. Yeah, you know what I mean? Nicky Six writes the songs for Motley Crue. Nikki Six writes the song for 6 a.m., you know? Yeah. Is his band members mad at him? No, it works. So just go with what works. What's the problem? Yeah, and you look like where Motley Crue was. Do you think Vince Neil was upset that he's playing in front of these huge arenas, getting all these, you know, uh, you know, uh, record labels and all this money? Vince Neil didn't write his own lyrics. Exactly. Nikki Six wrote the lyrics, man. Why would he he's be like, mad? like, you look good, just sing. Exactly. You know? You know, I think... I mean, it doesn't look good nowadays, but that's whatever. No, <laughs> no, I mean, Don't sue me. I mean, Steve, you know, he just... I think they looked at me as just a voice. It's just a singer. You know, but they should have looked back. You know, he should have asked me, do you write songs? You know, I would have told you, yeah, maybe right then we should have cut that off and said, all right, I'm not your guy. But he found out later I was a songwriter. And, you know, because the proof's in the pudding, look what I've been doing since. Yeah, so I got one more big question, and then we're going to jump to the present talking about the shows you have upcoming. But biggest question I have about Signal. From your standpoint, would you consider a Signal reunion? Oh, man. I, you know, throughout the years, man, I, I hit him up several times saying, we need to sit down, make amends, man. We're only getting older. I said, you know, you got it all wrong. You got me wrong, man, because... I'm all about the team, you know. Shit, if I even if I said that, my praise of fallen guys, they wouldn't even care, you know. And you would think, you know, people would be all mad and pissed off. I have said to Steve several times, I have said, nobody cares about our bullshit. All they care about are those songs and seeing them again on a stage. 
performed live, yeah. Would I do it? I, I would have to, we would have to sit down and talk about, maybe not even talk about stuff. Maybe we'd just take, get in a room. Because I had said to him, actually I'd emailed him, his podcast, he asked me to send a rebuttal. And I sent an email and I said, you know that if it was you and me and Josh and Dave in a room, no matter how we felt about each other, in a room right now, we'd walk out of there with a song. Magic always happened with us. There was never a problem with the music until until uh, some of these industry people said, hey, you know, go with your strengths here. This guy writes songs. Why don't you collaborate with this guy? It's not... Nobody's trying to take away from you, Steve. Nobody's trying to take anything away from you guys. You know, I was just going with the flow. Oh, you, you want to do that? Cool, I guess. All right. You know, because that gold CD was only a Band-Aid to keep things afloat. Little did I know that that gold CD would come seeping through later on in a big way. I never thought that. Um, but as far as, you know, I don't know. My wife, she don't really want me to. <laughs> You know, no, I gotcha. they, they put me through a lot. And, you know, I think it was easier for them through the years to to bash me, you know, and make me look really like a horrible person. It's easier. It's it's always easier. You know, I'll be your scapegoat. Whatever, man. You know? Yeah. But, mind you, you know, I'm still writing songs. I'm still making records. And when I'm dead and gone, people are still going to be listening. I really like that mindset, I really do. But I want to talk about something real quick, because I know you, you're always busy. Like, every time, like, almost every day, you're talking to me, like, hey, I got a song in the works, or you send me, yeah. uh, you know, a song. So I do know you got some great live shows coming up yeah. for uh, Praise the Fallen. I also heard you're working on some solo material. So, yeah. what, what, so what is, like, the future months for, like, the rest of this year? How about... How are you going to close out the rest of you? What kind of uh, live shows you got, and what are you working on with the solo material? And I heard you got a 7-inch, too. 7-inch vinyl release. So... Yeah, be careful what you say. Yeah, I, I had to fix <laughs> I had to fix that. <laughs> a 7-inch vinyl release, people. Uh, uh, vinyl uh, release. Uh, let's talk about that real quick. Um, okay. Uh, okay, Praise the Fallen. Let's go over there. Okay. Praise the Fallen is playing. We're opening for Buck Cherry, August 17th at Hobart Art Theater. I got tickets, 35 bucks. if you're interested. Contact this guy. Yeah, contact me, please. You help the bands out when you, you hit us up. Um, August 21st, we're opening for a band called Ra. Some people are like, who's Ra? Who's that? Who's that? They're pretty badass. They had the song Rectifier. They had the song Fallen Angel. And their most known song is Do You Call My Name? That song's badass. Do You Call My Name was a hit. I think it was a Resident Evil or something like that, video game or something like sure. that. It could be. Maybe, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, man, they're an awesome band. Yeah. They just put out a new album called Inner Corrupted, and I hope to God I get to meet Saj, man. You want to hear you a know? funny story about Saraj? He was standing, I was at a Killer's Confession show at Pierre's. You met him? I was standing next to him the whole time. It was dark. I can't see. Oh, okay. And then uh, I think Waylon, I think that's his name, of the Killer's Confession. He said, "Turn the lights on," and he pointed next to me, which was you know, yeah, Sahaj. 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 Yeah. He was standing to me next to the whole time at the Killer's Confession show. Yeah, Sahaj is awesome, he, man. And he actually played a couple songs with them. Well, he he he's he's a cool he dude. just did a song with them and Chad Gray of Mudvayne. Yeah, because he, he's a producer too. He lives in Fort Wayne too. Yeah. 
He fr- apparently so maybe, he maybe he'll like Praise the Fallen. I think yeah. he will. So, be pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, you got you got the Raj on the twenty first. Yeah, again. Pierre's in Fort Wayne. I got tickets for fifteen bucks for that. Again, especially seeing Raj yeah. for fifteen bucks. And then I got yeah, they're awesome. They're totally worth it. And then August twenty second, we're here in town in Mishawaka, opening for the Lonely Ones. Along, along with um, Magic Cat, yeah. Yeah, so, Magic, my boy's Magic Cat. My buddy Jim Levesque, he's an awesome dude. So um, that's gonna be a badass show. I'm yep. super. I, I've oh, and Sunflower Dead's on that too. Oh, are they? Yeah, and they're pretty they're, good, man. Too. I listen to them. Yeah, I like them. All right, so another show uh, you got coming up. So the Lonely Ones you said for ten bucks, but also. You're opening uh, for Texas Hippie Coalition in Battle Creek. When is that? Yeah. Opening for Texas Hippie Coalition Music Factory, October 9th. Yeah, it's going to be sick. <laughs> you can cosplay from day to day. Hair in my face, man. Sorry. Not used to that. <laughs> no, dude. So that, and then, so you said going back in the studio in September, Passion Isn't Pretty. What can people expect? Can you give any oh, kind dude. of hints on this? Passion Isn't Pretty. Um, what's cool about Passion Isn't Pretty is. We're finally collaborating to where I had finally said to Andy, because Andy's been in the band two years now, and guitar players I had before Andy had come and gone, come and gone. So I always hung on to the music, you know. So finally I was like, okay, we can let Andy write some stuff. You know, Andy, actually those guys saw me when I was in Spain. They saw me when I was uh, just singing. And I miss that part too. I was that guy in Signal where I didn't play guitar. I, uh, I like being a front man too. And uh, I was like, I was like, let's write some stuff, man. Let's write some stuff from the front, man. All right. So Andy wrote a song called uh, "Keep Your Distance," and that's not about COVID. It's about beating somebody up. Yeah, um, I heard you talking about yeah. that. Yeah, and I believe you played that. I went to one of the shows. Yeah, uh, Cheer Show. Yep, in Smiths. Yeah, when I was standing on the table and stuff. Yes. That's what I do. I get in your face. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward. Good to front, man. Gets in your face. <laughs> looks you right in the eye when he moves his hair out of the way though <laughs> I can't look in the eyes there's hair in my mouth um. <laughs> you quote that huh? you quote that right. Jamie Bostel <laughs> <laughs> see that's a great thing about being bald you can throw your wig on at any time any 80's metal tribute bands want me let me know I'll do some skid row right now um, no but uh what was I saying? Uh, uh, passion isn't pretty. Uh, passion isn't pretty. Keep your distance. Right. Keep uh, yeah. Uh, keep your distance. Yep. And then uh, passion isn't pretty was written by Andy too. And actually, just just to, just to, just to show you guys something, you know, as far as like getting upset when somebody writes something else or whatever, here's a prime example. Andy wrote the lyrics for Passion Isn't Pretty. Really? Yeah. And you know what? They're badass, you know. You know, trust me. I let Andy know if they suck. <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's cool. That's I'll a- be honest with you. Like first, I was like, I didn't know. How, I was like, well, I don't know how I'm gonna feel this because I didn't write it, you know. But when I read the lyrics, and uh, dude, he can write, and I was like, hell yeah, you know. And I think it's just great because it shows collaboration. How a band works, people. That's how it works. You collaborate like that, man. You know. And I, I also know that um, I believe uh, the song. I, I believe you talked to me about this before. I've not listened to it, but uh, Grand Designs also going to be on the EP, I believe. Um, no. Oh no, it's not. Okay. We haven't gotten to that one yet. 
Um, have you heard that one yet? No, you told me it's, it's vastly different. Grand design is badass. We okay. actually got to work on that, Andy. Um, but no, we've got Hollow Man. Which I've heard. I've I was heard, in a yeah. band in 1993. It was called Rainbow Fall. Long story short. Uh, PTF played a show in Valparaiso at Duffy's. And I ran into the old guys from Rainbow Fall. And I said, man... If there's any song that I'd love to record that we did back in the day, you know, hanging out with your buddies yeah. that you used to play with, that goes to prove to you people that I'm friends with some ex-band members. Some ex-band members can be mature like that. Um, so I said, man, I'd love to record Hollow Man. You're like, yeah, man, let's do it. Well, it never happened. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I just do it in Praise the Fallen? I love a song. I've heard it live. I like it, yeah. So... And at the time, I was a young, angry guy, you know, uh, my father left me, you know, I'm not asking for no pity party or anything like that, but at the time when you're young, you know, like, you're, you're searching for what, what you're angry about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, Hollow Man came out of that. I, I wrote the song about my father without even really knowing him. You know, I felt that he was hollow and that he, you know, left me behind and, you know, at the time you feel that way and I don't care what anybody says you have to be me to understand that I wrote that song Hollow Man it's meant a lot to me it's one of my best lyrically written songs I think and put it together with Praise the Fall and we're recording it in September awesome and then we have a song called Everything's Temporary that are it's a it's a slow song it kind of reminds me of like well, it's got a three days grace vibe, but like the beginning reminds me of Unforgiven by Metallica, kind of. With some clean guitar and really gentle, and then bam, you know? Nice. Then it gets crazy. I mean, not too crazy, though, but it's kind of a ballad, but in PTF style, you know? Fair. I mean, perfect's a ballad, but. <laughs> yeah, but. You know? So, yeah. So, yeah, let's see, we got. And then we have a song called Degenerate Types. That, uh, I believe you talked to me about that. I'm really proud of that because that shows some of my riffing skills have improved. Um, it's good. Andy and I do a good job on that together. Degenerate types. It's just basically what it says. There's a lot of degenerates out there. You know yeah. the type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, you do. So. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. It. I'm glad you guys are getting back recording. So that, that that's a praise the fallen. Got some killer shows lined up with PTF. Yeah, and then my solo stuff. Yes, uh, which is my segue to that. Here, actually. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah, let me get this right here. Sorry. Yeah. Here's a. I'm gonna give you this, Matt. You can have one. Oh. Nice. There's your first official. Do you have a record player, Matt? Uh, I my dad has one. Well, there you go. That's down the river and Vendetta. That's the test pressing. That's the very. That's... I got five of them. That's our very well, first. I really appreciate I listened it. to that two weeks ago just to see. They send it to you, see if you're happy with it, how it yep. sounds, and then they press the cover and everything. So we should be having the cover. We should have everything here in a couple weeks, I'm hoping. There's 300 copies. We're selling them for 12 bucks. Down the River and Vendetta. You want to check out my solo stuff right now. I didn't put it out. Well, Down the River is streaming, yes, actually. Is. That's streaming, and Vendetta should be out soon, too. But don't take the easy way out, Pete, please. If you have a record player, or if you just want to collect it, you know, it's a limited quantity. 
gonna autograph them. Not that I'm somebody famous or anything. Some people want them autographed. I'll do that. You know, maybe it'll be worth something when I'm dead. You know, usually how it goes. Yeah, that's usually that's when you all really be listening. <laughs> you know, but yeah, um, down the river. It's a song about a murder, kind of. Yeah, you were telling me about the background of that. Uh, I was just watching I, too much yeah. ID channel with my wife, you know. It was funny, but yeah, I mean, that's how it was. You know, I, I heard the first, the beginning of guitar riff. It, I was like, hmm, you know. And I was like, let's just write a creepy song about finding yeah. a body by a river. And it turned out really good. I was really like, wow, you know. It, it so it's kind of a story song for me, and that's a different side of me, you know. But it has also that eerie factor to it. Oh, like, it's got you, you, right you, off the bat, it's creepy. Yeah, it's already, you know? maybe like, it's not like super like scary, but it's, it's unsettling right. a little bit when you hear it. And it's really well done. And then there's a little mix of like some electronics, like that drum yeah. thing in there, for just for a minute. So I'm dabbling with, you know, time, now times, I guess. You know, and then Vendetta is just a fucking that's, shredder, dude. That's um, just hard rock. But man. it's also yeah, it's got the hard rock, but then it's got elements of Incubus or something that's kind of spacey and it kind of yeah. like the verses are real spacey. And then I don't know, it took that song turned out awesome, you know. And my partner Randy Bickett, my ex-executive producer, you know, I asked him, I go, well, what songs do we want to release first? You know, and he suggested those two, and I just went with it. You know, just like. The signal thing. I just said, I just go with flow, man. You know, but it's two good songs. Like, I'm just here. That's cool. Whatever you want to put out, it's cool. You yeah. know. So yeah, if you do want your copy, and he will, he will sign it for you. Not a problem. Twelve yeah. bucks. Hit this. Hit him up. And if you want tickets, also hit him up too. Yeah. But also, so I do know. Maybe if you touch on this, just a oh, little the band, bit. the band yeah. thing for the soul. You, you already know where I'm going with all okay. this. Okay, I was gonna announce this today, but I, I have my official lineup now. Um, I've got Josh Ortiz on drums, who used to play with me in Spain. And then I have my buddy, Ryan Kripe. Um, he was in the Marines. He went to Afghanistan for you guys out there quite a few times, actually. Um, he's back. He retired. He's moved back, and the first thing we did was talking about jamming. So I was like, well, I got this stuff that I've been recording this last year when COVID hit. So... It's simply going to be just me. There's no band name. It's Jamie Bostel. There's no more reason to be behind a band. I think it's finally time. I'm very proud that this record is coming out with my name on it. I mean, amazing that it just was done in this room and then it's going to be on vinyl for you all. Um, I got Josh Ortiz on drums. I got Ryan Kripe on bass, who actually played bass for me in 1997 in Digpen. Um, and then we have Josh's son, Miles Ortiz, on rhythm guitar. And his friend, I don't know his last name, but his name is Brody. I'm trusting, Josh says both of these cats are, are guitar players. So I'm writing the music for this stuff, putting everything together, handing it to these guys. We're putting it together, and I'm just singing. So... The front man's coming again. Should I put my wig back? Yeah, you should. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, but th it's going to be different compared to other things you've done. I want it to be. I want it to be. because I figured if I play guitar in it and I stand up to the guitar, I, I want to get out there and be front man again. I want to be standing on tables looking you in the eye getting crazy like I used which, to. Yeah, which I've seen him do. You know, I, you know, that's my strength. I know my strength. 
I'm not saying I'm not strong playing guitar and singing either. It's just a different thing, you know. Yeah, change it um, up. I love what I do in Praise the Fallen too, and it's needed because our sound. I have to fill up rhythm like Andy's as a lead or something, but you know, if I can, sometimes sometimes PTF's doing it too. We're doing some songs where I just up. where I just sing. So I haven't been like a, a front man for like. Well, I did in Spain. It felt great because I, I hadn't done it in a long time. Yeah. And I missed that part of myself. I, I don't have to worry about playing guitar and setting up with gear. And, you know, these guys can learn the songs. It's cool because I have a lab right here to create the songs, put them together, hand them over to these guys, and go bam. I mean, it's no different than a cover band, except you're covering your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. it actually works out really really easily more easy than it, dude the days of getting together in a room and starting from riff one are over you know yeah. i would praise the fallen i even on my last album making it known i demoed everything mm -hmm. handed it to the guys and said go figure out what you're going to do and i tell you what songs come together a lot faster that way than sit there grinding and grinding and grinding but back in the day you didn't have the technology to do yeah, that that's so much easier now. i used to practice three days a week you know, now, you know, there's rehearsal and there's practice. Rehearsal, you just put the shit together. You know, you should be ready. At rehearsal, you should be ready. You know what I mean? So. And then I have a cover band, too. The Roman Donners. And Josh Ortiz plays drums in that. Mm -hmm. Adam Ackerman on guitar. I've got Jay Ingle playing bass. He's awesome. And we're doing stuff like Queens of the Stone Age, Living Color. We're doing Tool, we're Stone doing Sour. SCP, we're doing Lincoln Park, Stone Sour, Alice in Chains, Smashing Pumpkins, The Wallflowers, Bush, Oasis, Bush, um, Rise Against, uh, Three Days Grace, uh, whatever we want, but it's more modern rock, 90s and modern rock. So yeah. I figured we needed that around here. I need a kick in the ass, Michiana, you know. So you got a lot of cool stuff in the works. Uh, definitely, if you're gonna, if, if you want to come to a show, definitely show up because it's gonna be always a fun time. I remember the Cheers show uh, where you guys headlined. It was that was fun. Two forty-five minute sets of just it was fun. <laughs> it's more fun if you actually listen to our albums that are streaming and stuff, and yep. go you know check out Praise the Fallen Music on Facebook, PTFBand.com. It's a lot more fun if you get the albums. Know the songs, come to the show, and sing along. Very good point. Oh, yes. I've been working on something else, too. Yeah. My Dead on Sunday EP. Uh, the guys came back here last winter. Um, the drummer, Jim Snyder on bass, Dave Carroll on drums, Paul Martins. Those are the original Dead on Sunday guys from 1994. Um, Paul wasn't here. He lives in Madison, Wisconsin. Dave lives, Dave lives in San Diego. We tracked guitars. He sent me guitar tracks here. I did vocals here. We checked this out. He sent me guitar tracks for Slug and God. Sent them here. I did the vocals here and backup vocals too and sent them back to Paul. He's sending those tracks to Dave in San Diego. Dave's going in the studio tracking the drums. Sent it back to me here and I'm having Jim do the bass here. So, you got a lot of stuff in the works, and it all sounds very cool, too. And so, like, 
Any kind of projected uh, uh, release for Dead on Sunday? No. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping before winter because we're, I'd like to, by the time Dave, Dave usually comes here around Christmas, I'd like to set up an EP release show then. That would be, you know, cool though. And maybe through Bill Finn, because Bill Finn was a big part of Dead on Sunday. Back then, I was on the cover of Liquid Magazine with Dead on Sunday. Bill used to have a magazine, Liquid Magazine. The 90s were the shit, people. <laughs> and if we do do that, I will be asking my friend Christopher Johnson, who is an X-Ray Roger Jimmy. Um, X-Ray Roger Jimmy was amazing. I have their CD if you ever want to hear it. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Dead on Sunday EP release, look for that in the studio. But I think it would be really cool uh, to go to a Dead on Sunday EP release show as well. Dead on, Sunday was a possible. Dead on Sunday was a straight-up grunge band, man. Yeah, I've listened and, uh, to some of And Dead on Sunday, that's a prime example of a band that worked together. I wrote a lot of the Dead on Sunday material. Paul wrote a few songs, but for the most part, I wrote most of it. As far as, like, bringing an idea to the table, and we put it together. Nobody ever complained. Nobody ever complained, so... That's how it should be. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for this nice exclusive interview. Definitely check out all the great stuff he has in the works. And if you want to come see him at any of the shows we just listed, you know where to go. Hit him up. Also, if you want some vinyl, also, you know where to go. Hit him up. 12 bucks for vinyl. Hit him up for tickets. And uh, come hang out with him. Yeah. I do that a lot, so. I'm very polite. Trust me. I don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> so. For Matthew Thomas of Super Cool Radio, Jamie Bostell of Jamie Bostell, Praise the Fallen, Dead on Sunday, Signal, God, what, what, yeah, Arson Radio, yeah. Done other stuff, and who knows what's gonna happen with Arson Radio? Jamie Dyer usually hits me up in the fall. We might put out a couple more songs too. Who knows? I love it. So yeah, we're doing all kinds of stuff, man. I'm busy. Always busy, but hey, I love it. Better be busy than not. But of course. I am your host as always, Spirit of Super Cool Radio, Matthew Thomas. You've been watching Super Cool Radio. Peace.